Welcome to the Impactful Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Clark. For the last decade, I've had the privilege of learning from impactful leaders across the globe through my service in the Peace Corps and nonprofits. Their leadership has inspired me to highlight those among us who are truly impacting our world so that we may learn from them and be more impactful together. Yes, leadership can be learned. The guests on our show are providing direction, inspiration, and leading the way in their business and community through service. Are you ready to have an impact? Welcome to the Impactful Leaders Podcast. Well, Josh, thanks for being here. Um, So for everyone listening, Josh is the owner of the Thompson Tax Group. Um, they help save businesses and they help save people uh, money by finding those opportunities to save money. So, Josh, thank you for being here. Yeah, Andrew, appreciate it. Um, glad to be here. I'm looking forward to it, learn a little bit more about you and then talk a little bit more about what we have going on. Yeah. So we were just talking before we started recording about how you were in the Marine Corps. Um, so I'm kind of curious, how did you get in? How did you go from Marine Corps to opening up your business and then going into taxes? Like when people think Marine Corps or any sort of the military, you don't necessarily go taxes besides for, that's what our money to Uncle Sam goes to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely, man. So it, it was, it's a 180 or, you know, maybe even a full 360, but uh, I went in as a communication guy, 0621, so field radio operator. Um, so I did a lot of that with the company out in Hawaii, uh, you know, one of the worst weathers ever. So I was out there, uh, but things were great, man. I enjoyed it. After I got out, I actually wanted to go to school to be a veterinarian. And you know, I started taking all the science courses, biology one, two, chemistry, organic chemistry, um, the vet science course. And I realized, you know, what I loved doing was the vet technician stuff where you're actually hands-on with the animals. And a lot of times the veterinarians were actually more so hands-on with the the humans and the, uh, the actual owners of those animals. Yeah, yeah. And, after a while, I kind of sat back, thought about it, like, you know, maybe this is just not for me anymore. So I, I, you know, I had a good period where I was like, you know, I had no idea what I wanted to do. Ended up deciding I want to go into business. I took my first accounting class and really enjoyed it. My professor recommended I start doing our, I um, do what's a volunteer for with the IRS during what the, their VITA program. So I volunteered with them for a little bit, ended up enjoying taxes, which you probably never hear anyone said before. <laughs> Fell in love with it, man. Started, had left there, got my degree um, in accounting, went to go work for a CPA firm for a number of years. And then uh, after that, during COVID, I left, started my own business and you know, I haven't looked back since, man. I, I enjoy it. It's, it's a it's a weird journey, but I, it's my journey, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're in control of it, you exactly. know? But that's crazy. What was it exactly about the that switch why did you feel you lost some of that passion for the veterinary the the vet work you know there was a few things it was when I was working in the veterinarian hospital uh, and getting a lot more hands-on you know what really interested me was a lot so on the the medicine side of things and working with the animals doing some research and as I was doing the biology courses the chemistry courses I realized it just for my brain I could learn it but it's hard for me to explain it and teach it and, and kind of go over yeah. and talk with the, another person about it and, and, and how it affects their, their animal. And I realized that wasn't for me. I, mean, I spoke with some other veterinarians that worked there at the clinic and they were, they had some good and bad things <laughs> to say about the, the, 
the world of veterinary medicine. So, you know, that's when I kind of took a step back and kind of reevaluated what I want, where I want to be and what really interests me. And that kind of drove me to business. Now I get to work with a bunch of different businesses and help them out and, and you know, live in the dream, as I say. Yeah, yeah. So what did you have to go through when you were going through that mind shift? Because how long were you working? It, I mean, studying to be a vet? Yeah. So I got out of the Marine Corps in 2016. I was probably going to school to be a vet for about a year to two years while I was taking all the biology, chemistry courses, getting ready yeah. to go to vet school potentially. So I was going a lot of pre-vet stuff. Um you know, the mind chip was tough, man. It was actually really hard going from something I knew I wanted to do pre-Marine Corps all my life, basically, be a veterinarian to now, you know, you're sitting down when they like, I have no idea what I want to do and trying to reevaluate yourself and, and what you enjoy in life. And yeah. I would say that was probably the hardest part, finding my path of what I enjoy and find the occupation that I also enjoy that tied in with. Yeah, because I mean, did you go to school as well? Like before the Marine Corps, did you study or did you do that? Like go to school for a little bit, then Marine Corps, then to vet school or was it Marine Corps, then vet? Yeah, so for me, it was Marine Corps. Like straight out, straight out okay. of high school, I went into yeah. the Marine Corps. And then as soon as I got out of the Marine Corps, it was automatically uh, pursuing the veterinary career, taking all my science courses. Um, and, and, you know, that's kind of the route I took. And I can imagine that's difficult too, because you already spent a good portion of your time in the Marines, in the military, and then you're going to study vet to become a vet. You spent two years doing that. I feel a lot of people would have been down that road saying, hey, I've already worked so hard to get to yeah. this point. Why am I going to start on a completely new path? Mm -hmm. um, what were one of the telltale signs that you're like, okay, I really need to move was it just like you didn't find the joy or was it just what you explained earlier that yeah so it was a little bit of what I explained earlier but also the joy you know after a while I, I realized the the joy wasn't there as much as I hoped and as much as it was there on day number one you know the first little bit starting there and, and that's when I started contemplating too you know maybe this just isn't it you know yeah huh and then, okay, so now that you're working with businesses, what's, I'm sure you come across the same thing, because how do you, so many people I'm sure come to you and they don't understand taxes, mm -hmm. right? So now you have to explain that in their terms. So it's yeah. a little bit easier, I'm guessing, for you to explain that stuff. Oh, so for me, it's way easier. It's like night and day. <laughs> you know, you go, you go, you're talking science stuff and science it can be different if it's a black spot versus a red spot with black dots and, you know, all these different things you have to learn and know about when it comes down to taxes and accounting. I don't know. It, for me, it's just logical. It's just like, it's a second nature almost. And, you know, if you have any questions, you want to figure something out, you can always do the research and find out here. And yeah. it's usually pretty cut and dry black and white of this is how you attack this situation this is how you approach this area. So when someone's first starting their business, I've since we started our agency, I hear a lot of business owners asking, hey, should I do an S Corp? Should I just set up a corp? Should I do a partnership? Do I do an LLC? Like, what are one of the things like, how do you come to that decision? Granted, first, you have to talk to Joshua to get some help. But how do you know if it's the right decision just to do an LLC, an S Corp? Like, what are some of the primary bait? best practices, basic things that someone should pay attention to? Yeah, definitely. You know, there's a few big ones. Um, 
one of the biggest ones I would say is income. A lot of people are like, you know, income, why does that matter? It's because depending on what entity you go, you may have more expenses and more requirements um, that you need to, to um, satisfy to keep that entity. For instance, an S corporation. A lot of times you hear automatically from day one, go S corporation is going to save you taxes, but people don't talk about the downside. Every tax strategy, in my opinion, has some sort of downside. You just need to know what those downsides are. For an S corporation, a lot of times it's you need to have payroll. If you're running an S corporation, payroll is mandatory and you have to pay yourself a, what IRS classifies a reasonable salary. Um, on top of that, you have a now you have a new business tax return to file. You have an 1120S that needs to get done every year by, by March 15th. You have K1s you need to issue to any shareholders and other items that you have to start taking care of. I would say that's one of the biggest items. And the other item is to consider is liability risk. You know, if you're starting off your business, you want to assess how much liability risk you have doing what you're doing. You know, if you're walking dogs, that's your business, you may not need an LLC from day one because there may not be a lot of liability risk there. But if you're going into the business of construction, then you may want liability risk from day one to have that LLC. So if anyone sues your business, they're not coming after your stuff personally. They're just going after what's in the business. So that way your home's protected, your car's protected, your family's protected, your retirement uh, plan, all that stuff can be protected as well. So those are one of the two biggest things you want to look at when determining, is an LLC right for me? Should I go S corporation? You know, did I sit down and speak with Joshua or another account or something like that? You know, those <laughs> items you want to check off the list. <laughs> and then so... Could someone just start off their business without putting anything down there? Is it okay not to have um, an LLC when you first start your company? Yeah. And a lot of times at new business owners, that's one thing I would say I recommend. Keep your costs down. Focus on profit first. Don't You don't necessarily need to go LLC from day one. Um, you can start that anytime down the line, set it up and have it operating and still reap the benefits of liability protection. Nice. Okay. And then, so when it comes to, you do get to that point mm -hmm. or I guess we could even talk before the LLC and then after the LLC, um, when it comes to running your business, how, what are some of the ways that people can think of managing their money, trying to reduce their taxes, keep that in order? Cause it's all, I, one of the big things I hear with people before I connect them to someone like yourself or JT would be, I haven't kept track of um, my expenses. I don't know how much I've ate out on business. Yeah. A lot of people know that you can mark off like your car or, you know, parts of your, say if you're in a second bedroom and using a segment of it, like people understand you can do that, but I don't think they understand the full totality of how to do that legally with, and, you know, and correctly really. So like, what are some ways that people can, keep those taxes in order, and then possibly even reduce them. Yeah, definitely. So the name of the game is, is to be in compliance, do what best <laughs> you can, you know, tax-wise, and then be audit-proof. Keep your records and stuff like that. That's the name of the game. Um, when it comes down to it, I would say a lot of times for business owners, whether it's from day one or you're growing, is the bookkeeper is going to be worth their weight in gold for you keeping track mm -hmm. of your income, your expenses month by month or week by week. Um, it's 
I've seen so many business owners that wait to the last minute, whether it be October, November, December, January, February timeframe to do the whole year's financial statements. They forget certain expenses, which now they're paying extra taxes because they forgot these expenses. They forget what would be an example of those two, of those expenses? Like what could they possibly forgetting? Or is it as small of, as just calculating all of the gas um all of the gas payments whether for like your car or is it the meals or what exactly when you're saying those expenses like yeah. what's an example yeah so example of those expenses exactly like you're saying meal expenses legitimate business meal expenses mm. you know if you're just going out getting food yourself that's not a business meal unless you're on a trip away from home but if you're going out with a client that's a business meal mm-hmm. you know utilities taxes that you pay licenses independent contractors that you pay, um, tools that you purchase, all those items would be legitimate business expenses. Whenever you're trying to figure out what's a business expense, you look at two factors that the IRS classifies as. It's, is this um, is this expense ordinary? Meaning, does other businesses in your line of work um, typically have this expense? And is it necessary for you to grow your business and keep your business operating? It needs to be ordinary and necessary for the IRS to consider as an expense, and then you can write it off in your tax return. Okay. And then what are some tips you have to help people keep that in, in order? Because I can only imagine like back in the old days when they come to you with all of those <laughs> facts of receipts and papers and all that, like now everything's so digital and it's so easy just to swipe your card and then keep yeah. moving on with your day. What are some tips that you have with people, especially probably in their first six months to three years they probably don't have a bookkeeper right they're probably like what are some things that they can do to kind of keep those in order definitely so if you're just getting started or you know you're still low and growing the business and may Mm -hmm. not have a bookkeeper yet i always recommend either excel to start off with you have your excel list list all out your expenses and that's a great way to start keep your invoices related to the expenses in a separate folder now, as you grow, whether, you know, you're making now, say, $10,000 a year or up from there, then you want to start looking at potentially utilizing QuickBooks. Just know QuickBooks is only as good as its user. Um, so <laughs> it, 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 I, I know it's funny, but I've seen a lot of uh, um, bookkeepers that may not know what they're doing yeah. or business owners may not know. They say, oh, I have QuickBooks. And it's fine. But they haven't done like reconciled the bank in the past three years. So it, it could create some issues. But having that accounting software, QuickBooks, FreshBooks, Zero, at least you have something to start keeping track of your income, your expenses down the line. So that way at the end of the year, it's all in one area. You can also start um, selecting, like if you have an a invoice that you get or a receipt, you can start taking a picture of that and link it to that expense. So if you ever get audited, you have proof for the IRS this is what this expense is related to. And yes, it's deductible. Huh. Okay. But I, I do love how you mentioned it's only as good as the user because especially when it comes to CRMs, if you're yes. with the marketing and you're trying to get leads in, people don't maintain it. Salesforce, HubSpot, it's such a pain in the butt if you're not taking care of it. Yeah, I, I you know I can 100% agree with that. I'm, I'm embarrassed because when I first started my business, my CRM was an Excel sheet that got updated like once every three months with clients that I could remember. And, yep. you know, since I've gotten away from that, and I'm happy to, and I'll be, I'll be honest with you, it's, it's definitely helped out the business and changed it. Marketing is one of those things, do not, do not take it lightly. <laughs> <laughs>
And then, so when it comes to some other tips to reduce your taxes, what are some of the big things that you always see, like the big red flags you see people doing in the first year that you're like, like red flag? Yes. Yeah. So, you know, I would say the majority of the red flags I see is people, people that go on Google and Google something and say, oh, you could do this and you could write off your car if you have a business or something like that. Yeah. And, you know, that's true, partially. You just have to check all these boxes off to make sure you could write it off. You can't just say I'm writing off my car because I use it for business some of the time. And a lot of people don't know all those boxes that need to be checked off. For instance, if you do have a car, you use it for business, you need to keep track of your mileage and, and determine how much of that vehicle is being used for business percentage-wise. And then, um, then you can take that deduction. A lot of people don't keep track of the mileage and just say, I'm just going to write off 100% of my car payment against my business income yeah. because that's what I read on Google. And I would say those are the biggest pitfalls is the individuals that read a little bit or watched a video, but don't that video didn't discuss the downsides and how to be audit proof and protect yourself in the event of an audit. Mm, I love that. Yeah. Cause I can only imagine you take your, you get yourself into do yes. into these situations and then the IRS comes after you and mm -hmm. Um, I used to actually work at a LITC, so a low-income taxpayer clinic. Yeah. And so often it was just, it's crazy. People get themselves into situations working with someone they don't, they should not have trusted. Unfortunately, they they did. And they don't have the paperwork. And it's scary when you get that big bill in the mail saying, and big red letters saying, you owe this or you're going to jail or whatever it says. Yeah. Um, what... I guess one of the things I'm also curious of is how should, when someone is trying to look for someone like yourself, mm -hmm. what's something you think they should pay attention to? Like what are some red flags they should keep an eye open for if they're trying to work with someone, find a person that can do either, whether it's personal tax or if it's for the business, mm -hmm. um, that might be kind of like a telltale sign, like, hey, be careful here. Or, you know a good one is give them a test, uh, not not like a legit A B C D, but you know, do a little research on your end on maybe a question that you have and figure out what you could find online, and then give them a call and ask them that question. See how they answer that and navigate mm. it, and can they provide more information on that question that you're asking? That's a big one. You'd also want to make sure. I recommend that they're either an EA enrolled agent, they're a CPA certified public accountant or an attorney when they're working on your tax return. Now, those aren't the only individuals that can do tax work, but those are usually the ones that are registered and you can actually find in a directory on the IRS's website that are registered to actually prepare your return and, and um, they have to answer to some sort of agency above them if they do something incorrectly. Uh, I would say those are the biggest ones. Look at reviews on Google, ask for referrals um, or, or individuals that, yeah. that will speak highly of them or give them an honest opinion on, uh, but also ask them, you know, one or two tax questions, see how they feel about it. Usually during tax season, it may not be easy or they may not have the time to answer it, but that will give you an idea of how they answer it. If they tell you, listen, you know, I don't know, I'll have to double check on that one specifically. A lot of times that's, believe it or not, that's a good answer because you don't want the person that's stumbling around trying to answer a question say, oh, I think this, but maybe that, you know, how this is. And, you know, that's not always the case that you want to um, yeah. go that route. So those are some good ways to kind of vet the person and then make sure they have some experience in your industry and what you're doing as well.
so you think it should be a little bit more niched down if possibly you know depending on the business it doesn't hurt to pick someone that's in that niche but i would say a lot of businesses or tax professionals out there and really the tax code in general applies to many businesses you know, for instance um, one that may want to niche down is a real estate specific mm -hmm. individual. If you're doing a lot of investing in real estate, syndication, cost segregations, anything like that, construction, you may want that niche uh, an accountant or at least someone with a lot of experience in that area. Yeah. Um, but if you're just saying, hey, I'm selling Pokemon cards. I had a client like this selling Pokemon <laughs> cards online. You may not be able to find that person that niches in that area. <laughs> yeah, no, I can. That's a good point. If it's more complicated try to find someone that's going to be in there. Um, and then when it came to you starting your own business, what, I guess, what drove you to start your own business? Were you one of those people when you were younger trying to get into this business or like with the vet, were you going to open up your own vet and like veterinary spot or? Right. You know, I think eventually I would have, if I became a veterinarian, it would have been long down the line because technically I'll still be in school right now. <laughs> um, but you know, what drove me was I was working in the CPA office and I was the technical reviewer. So I reviewed tax returns before they went out the door and I was looking at one and seeing like, listen, if we just did this and we just changed this and, and brought it to the client's attention, it would save them roughly $7,000 in taxes. And the CPA at the time was like, you know what? No, thank you. We're going to do Sally. Same as last year is what Sally stands for. And, um, you know, that's one thing that in my mind, I was like, okay, I need to, I need to leave. I need to do something different. I need to actually help people. Um, and that's what made me start my firm that focuses more on tax planning side of things. But for me, it's like the entrepreneur bug has kind of always been, been biting at me, you know, nipping at me and finally have the opportunity to, to give it a shot in an area that I'm knowledgeable on, enjoy. And man, I haven't looked back. I, I'm sure probably the same thing for you. You know, what got you into marketing? What made you want to become a business owner? I'm curious. For me, I never thought I'd be doing this. I was doing nonprofit for a while. Um, and then I kind of just fell back into it. I mean, someone came to me saying, hey, we're thinking of starting with this franchise. And then here I am still doing it. So I kind of backed into it. I did not come from a a normal normal entrepreneurial background. So for me, it's been a complete, um, it's been a, a huge learning experience. I can just say the least. Yeah, but you right there with you. <laughs> but you mentioned one thing earlier where you mentioned tax planning. That's what you try to focus on. I guess, yeah. what is the difference between like a typical tax you go, you file the taxes and the tax planning. Is that working with you throughout the year? Yeah. So let me just turn this off real quick. So yeah, that's a good question. When it comes down to tax preparation, we're just, we're taking the numbers and all the items that happened last year and we're recording them on your tax return. Typically there's nothing we could do. There's yep. not much we could change, no strategies we could implement. After December 31st, we're kind of set in stone. If we're doing tax planning, that's done in the current year. So for instance, a lot of times we do tax planning throughout 2023, for instance, we'll do tax planning all the way up to about November timeframe. Mm -hmm. And those are actually putting into place strategies, code advantages that you could qualify for and utilize to help benefit your business, save money tax-wise, uh, and, and really 
we want to do that to take kind of work with our clients more on a personal side of things. So we want to figure out their goals, what, where they want to be, where they want to grow the business and kind of incorporate that all in a tax plan and, and really be able to help them instead of just say, hey, here's this number from last year. We're going to put it on your tax return. We want to be more proactive and reactive the way I like yeah. to say it. Is it also trying to help them find ways that they can possibly be more prepared? So I guess what I'm thinking is, if you notice throughout the year, like, are you meeting with them on a quarterly basis or a monthly basis? Yeah. So it all depends on kind of that relationship yeah. that that client wants to have. If they want to have the relationship. We do have clients on that, uh, that area, but yeah, you know, we don't just look at tax strategies all the time when we do a tax plan, we're looking at what do you want in your business? How can we help you get there? Who can we connect you with? Do you have a financial advisor? Do you have an attorney? Do you need yeah. one? Um, you know, for instance, we had one tax plan we just did, I think it was last week on Monday, and he had a lot of questions about retirement accounts. We gave the, him the like a bunch of information from the tax side of things and a little bit from the financial side and are ready to connect him with that financial advisor to take the next step. And then so would, would part of that tax planning be if a company all of a sudden is seeing a lot of growth one year, it's like, hey, you're earning double what you earned last year. We have to figure out how to either not offset it per se, but figure out how are we going to spend that money to save you money on taxes? Do you need to go on a, what sort of professional development courses can you take? Is there a leadership course, a business coach? Is that part of what you do when you're trying to like plan? And if someone is meeting with you, say on a quarterly basis? Yeah. Yeah. So if they, you know, we're sitting down, let's say on a quarterly basis to use it as an example, um, you know, we'll look at their books and records and how they're doing and, and kind of figure out what we need to do moving forward to reduce their taxes. And then if they want, we do what's called a tax projection. So we'll mm -hmm. sit down, talk to them about how the year's been so far what they estimate the year to finish out with. And then we'll project, okay, at the rate that you're going right now, this is how much we anticipate you to owe in taxes. And then we combine that with the tax plan. This is how, these are the strategies we recommend to reduce your taxes. This is what we recommend to change and, and so forth and, and move, moving up from there. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. You don't want any of those unexpected surprises that come at the end of the year. At By yeah. end of the year, I mean, the you know, the fiscal year. But, yeah, I would um, say that tax projection is one of the biggest things a lot of people don't know about, but really want more of, because we do them most of the time, July to November timeframe. Yeah. So that way we give people more months to figure out how to make adjustments and put money aside if they need. Yeah, no, that's smart. And then I'm sure as that's happening, especially during, you know, new governments and parties are coming in and out of power different things are happening around the world. If you're meeting with people and you're planning ahead, you're able to see what is going to possibly come up. Like right now, do you see any possible changes that are happening that people need to be on the lookout for? Because we're just about to enter tax season. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, nothing that's impacting tax season, like are your 2022 tax returns too large just yet, but there's a lot that they recently passed that will affect retirement accounts, vehicle solar tax stuff, your solar on your home or little mm -hmm. things changes here and there that will affect you in future years. So 2023, four, five, six, seven, eight, all the way up to 2032. And a lot of these are slowly coming into play that will affect some of these business owners or individuals that want to take advantage of, of some of those items. 
So that'd possibly be like trying to see if you can invest in some solar panels and maybe more of the green, <laughs> excuse me, more of the green space. Exactly. Like stuff like that. You know, I have one client that they wanted to, to invest in um, a Tesla. They wanted to get a Tesla for, for their business. And they were going to buy it in December because like, oh, we want to buy in December, utilize some other tax advantages that we talk about, bonus depreciation. And I was like, listen, if you just wait, instead of buying it in December, just, just buy it in January. And the reason I say that is because the Tesla, they ran out of their, their electric vehicle credits last year. But the IRS changed the law to where it starts up again in 2023. So that's $7,500 on a, a vehicle that they automatically saved just by waiting a few weeks that they would not have known about if they didn't just give us a call and, and want to talk about it. Yeah. Are there other things too that someone should reach out to their tax person about? And you're like, hey, you like that right there. And I don't think I even probably would have reached out to someone about that. Yeah, you know, I would say if you're ever thinking about making a, a large purchase, mm. you have investments that you think about selling or purchasing rental properties, just always sit down with your tax provider in quarter three or quarter four and just talk. Um, what we do with all our clients, uh, we're implementing an optional thing where if they want, we could sit down in Q3 or Q4 to sit down and go over all their items and discuss what they have going on, any changes, any questions that they have because they don't always know how that impacts them tax-wise. Um, so I would say that's a big one. The vehicle credit is huge. What a lot of people, that's changed recently that um, are going to benefit a lot more people. The downside though, they now put income threshold. So if you're over a certain income limit, you can't take advantage of it. But that's also something you want to kind of consider when you're getting ready to buy. What vehicle, how much does it weigh, what kind of vehicle, because depending on what kind of vehicle, you may be able to qualify for a higher income threshold. Interesting. You're already starting to, this is where <laughs> I get so difficult because there's so many like little things that you have to pay attention of. And you yeah. have to sit down with someone like yourself that kind of does this day in and day out because otherwise people are going to lose out on that on those savings. Yeah, you, you know, it, it is a lot and it's always changing. Um, that's one thing I would say, if you're working with a tax professional, you probably want them to be full-time because throughout the year, tax laws are always changing. Mm -hmm. I get a tax update letter every two weeks about things that changed, reminders, um, all those other items. And, you know, we take time to sit down and review it. So we're up to date for our clients. But I would say, you know, we think taxes don't change every year, but they actually change dramatically every year yeah. or every few years. Huh. And then, so when it comes to on the business, that's the business side, when it comes to the individual side, what's well, something they should pay attention for to help them either reduce their costs, save their costs, make sure that they're prepared for the current year. Cause I'm sure business and individuals are two completely different sides of the coin. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Def definitely. You know, businesses, they have more flexibility, more you could do, more you could deduct more tax planning strategies uh, we could take advantage of. As far as individuals, we're limited sometimes on what we can do. Uh, a lot of times at the end of the year, my number one recommendation is to review your brokerage accounts. So if you have an investment brokerage account, E-Trade, Charles Schwab, Fidelity, review those and kind of figure out, do you have any gains? Do you have any losses? How can we offset one or the other? Mm -hmm. A lot of people don't realize that if you have a long-term capital gains, meaning you own a stock for more longer than a year, and you are filing as married, filing jointly, 
If you make $80,000 or less, or I think they actually just raised it, let's just go with $80,000 or less, and you have that long-term capital gains, you can sell it and pay no taxes on it. So a lot of times you want to evaluate, okay, what's our income? Yeah. Do we expect our income to go up next year? Maybe we sell it this year, pay no taxes, reset our basis for next year, and then let it continue to grow. So that way we had all this money, we just got tax free. So it's like, it's things <laughs> like that we want to look at. Um, items like that, um, prepaying your mortgage and, you know, yeah. excuse me, around the December timeframe, if you want to prepay your mortgage, you get that additional little hump. Um, charitable contributions, medical expenses, want to look at that. Max out your 401k, take advantage of your employer match. Um, contribute to, if you can, a Roth IRA account. Those are, I love Roth IRA accounts. Um, you know, I would say those are probably the biggest things. Oh, and review your withholdings. So if you're a W-2 employee, review your withholdings. Sit down with the tax professional, whether it be me, someone else, and do what's called a W-4 recalculation, where we look at your, your pay stub, look at your W-4, and then make sure enough is being withheld. So at the end of the year, you're not saying, oh boy, why am I paying $1,000 in taxes? Or, you know, you're not saying, oh man, I'm getting a thousand dollar refund. The IRS doesn't pay interest. I wish I already had that money. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. No, that is all great. And doing those tax, tax gymnastics, like what you're doing right now, <laughs> again, just yeah. prove it. Cause like, I mean, it always goes over my head. It's a, that's why it's better to have a bunch of people in your back pocket that you can rely on and to make sure that um, you're going down the right path. Because again, with your mortgage, like I'm just about to head down that path as well. And I had no idea that was a thing. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's you know, it's, there's a lot there that people don't know about. There's the, the mortgage. So for anyone getting a mortgage, you've got to see if you qualify, because it's something that people do not talk about. But there's the, it's called the MCC credit, the mortgage certificate credit, I believe it is. And basically, if you purchase a home under a certain amount, you could get a tax credit for purchasing that home. And no one really is talking about that. It's one of those things that it's a credit out there that no one knows about, but it helps out still with your whole tax situation at the end of the day. But, you know, regardless whether you're individual or personal, I would say have a team, have a team of uh, an accountant, a financial advisor, an attorney. And a lot of times if you have all three, you talk to all three of them about one task one of them, you know, they're going to keep each other in line. You know, if one yeah. person says this, you have the other two to reconcile and see how much, you know, that affects you on the legal, financial, and tax side. And then do you normally try to do your own taxes or is it one of those things where you try to keep a, a barrier between you and make sure you have someone objectively looking at your stuff? Yeah, so that's a good question, you know, and I would usually recommend if you have a firm with multiple employees and the employees are on the same, not necessarily the business owner, but on the same level, you know, they all review each other's. For me, it's, you know, the knowledge is there. I'll handle my own return yeah. at the moment. You know, in the future, if it gets more and more complex, I'll be honest with you, I may even just hire someone out because same it's um time. it's always good to get another opinion on yeah. more complex returns. I'll be honest, you know, if I have a return that's extremely complex, I will reach out to another CPA, another EA, an attorney, and talk with them. And they'll do the same thing to me. And we'll kind of consult back and forth about complex matters or our IRS court cases and what so and how it affects our clients. And then how do you think that plays into, I think sometimes, especially with business owners in general, 
reaching out to someone else can sometimes challenge your ego a bit. Getting help from someone else and you're like, I, I think for you and I, it can be one of those things where it's like, I'm one where I'll ask anyone for help. <laughs> like, I'm just very open about it. But there are some people who it's like, no, I should know it all. Um, they don't want someone else to possibly see their mistakes or see something that they missed. What do you think it, are some ways like how, I guess, what kind of strategies have you used to get to the point where you just feel comfortable reaching out to someone else, even if they're competition, you know, I mean, you're in works, but you guys can go over after the same client clients. I'm, I'm assuming. Yeah, definitely. You know, first you want someone you trust <laughs> just in case that doesn't happen. They go after your clients, but <laughs> you know, I think it's, it's more so the mindset to realize mm -hmm. that such in the line of tax and legal is a lot, a lot is different and a lot could change based on one simple word, whether it's an always, or it's um, for the most time or the lesser or the greater, it could completely change a tax situation. Yeah. And sometimes you just need to be humbled, you know, just, Sometimes you got to learn the hard way and just humble yourself and ask someone like, listen, I made this mistake once. Don't want to make it again. Can you review this for me? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that will a lot of times save you a lot of heartache. Uh, just asking someone to review. I'm trying to think of a, so I was working, I work with another CPA. Excuse me. He's, he focuses on the real estate side of things. He's a real estate specific CPA, but me and him help each other out with clients. Yeah. And, you know, I was reviewing one of his returns and, um, it was basically a complex matter happened that adjusted the tax situation largely, uh, yeah. put it like that. And if it wasn't reviewed by another tax professional or something like that, it would have gotten to the client. The client would have had a huge tax balance that they had to pay or more questions would have lost faith. And, and sometimes you just got to sit down and say, you know, it's just not worth it. The, the risk is not worth the reward in, in some cases. Yeah. And I think that's part of one of the benefits of being in the military. Yeah. I mean, you have to lean on other people and you kind of break that wall very quickly and sort of abruptly if you're not used to it beforehand. Yeah, definitely. You, you get broken of that really quick, probably within about first <laughs> week of going to, to boot camp or recruit training, you'll lose that. Um, but yeah, you have to, you know, lean on people, uh, whether you're a business owner and you hire employees, lean on them because you're not going to be good at everything. You're going to have yeah. things that you suck at. For me, I am terrible, absolutely terrible at writing blogs and marketing and stuff like that. I am just like beyond terrible. I'm not the creative person. But if you come to me for like some tax stuff, I, you know, I'll knock it out of the park. And so you just got to know your weaknesses yep. and who can help you out in that area. And then I guess one of the things I'm always interested in when I speak with ex-military or now civilians um, what are some of the lessons that you pull from your experience in the Marine Corps now that you're running your own business? I'm sure you, you know, get asked that quite a bit. Yeah, you know, not, not as much as you think. I would say mentality, one of the biggest lessons, you're, you're, you're not as weak as you think you are. A lot of people is a woe is me or, oh, I just worked 10 hours today. Oh my goodness. When you're a business owner, and you work 10 hours, but you're still hungry. Like as far as hungry, you need to eat. You're going to work an extra two hours to find that additional client. Um, so you, you figure out what needs to be done. One saying we have in the Marine Corps is adapt and overcome. Um, and that's mm -hmm. that's huge in business. You need to adapt to COVID. 
going remote, adapt to losing clients, adapt to new clients, growing your business, whatever it may be. And you need to overcome that situation because if you don't, as a business owner or even as an individual, you'll get eaten alive or you'll just be stagnant. You wouldn't be able to progress. I like that. Adapt and overcome. I'm going to make, I think I'm going to try to make a post about that this afternoon. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> I, you know, that, that's, I would say that's one of our biggest saying, adapt and overcome because you go through so much and it's just like, you know, as the guys in the Marine Corps, we're just like, man, man this sucks. <laughs> you know, this sucks, but you, you just got to adapt. Sometimes you got to put your head down, just keep trucking forward. Sometimes you got to change the way you, you approach the situation and, you know, overcome it and keep moving forward. That's great advice to finish up on. Um, is there any other advice or any other things you want to mention to anyone before we close up here? You know, I would say if anyone's interested in, and want just a free second opinion, um, if you're working with Andrew or listening to this podcast, a free second opinion on your tax return that was filed last year, feel free to reach out to me, uh, Joshua Thompson at Thompson Tax Group. I'm happy to look it over, see if I see any pitfalls or if I see any opportunities for tax planning and mm -hmm. how we could implement some strategies. Um, just let me know, you know, you're listening to Andrew's podcast and you want to sit down and talk about it. I'm all, I'm happy to do that for you guys. Thank you so much, Josh. Definitely. All right. Well, thank you, Josh. Um, I'll follow up with you soon and thank you for being on today. Sounds good, Andrew. Once again, thank you. And I appreciate it. <laughs> thank you.